Hi, and welcome to the Hingham Cast. I'm your host, Allie Donnelly. The Hingham Cast is hyper-local, looking at the pandemic, politics, and everything in between through the lens of one small town. My town, here on Boston South Shore. And nothing captures the we're-all-in-this-together community vibe like a good old-fashioned storm. We're talking with meteorologist Michael Page. How much did we get? Where does this storm rank in the history books? And what's ahead for the rest of our winter? And we also catch up with two Hingham High seniors who are taking care of their community, whatever the weather, along with one of the families they've been helping. It's a special edition of the Hingham cast, the blizzard of 2022. I want to welcome Hingham's own meteorologist, Michael Page. Hi, Michael. Hi, Allie. Great to be with you. Thanks for being here. So here we are the morning after. First and foremost, let me ask you how you fared this storm. We did great. I actually had a lot of fun. Like this is the type of storm that got me into meteorology. A lot of snow, a lot of fun just being out in it, walking, not driving. And fortunately, we're right here not dealing with power outages or serious coastal flooding. So I feel like those are the things that can become like really serious and troublesome for people. But snow can be annoying to move around, but actually really beautiful and just like nice to have a, a lazy day in front of the fire. So I thought it was great. Ah, oh, that's awesome. So I'll ask the headline first. Was this a blizzard for Hingham? Definitely a blizzard in Hingham. We made the criteria. And the interesting thing is a lot of people think blizzard has to do with how much snow you get. You know, you grow up thinking like, oh, we got a ton of snow. That was a blizzard. Mm. Actually, has nothing to do with the amount of snow and everything to do with the visibility. So to hit blizzard criteria, which we did, you need three or more consecutive hours of 35 mile per hour winds or frequent gusts over 35 mm-hmm. and visibility a quarter mile or less. So we did that yesterday. I went for a walk through downtown a couple of times and it was whiteout conditions. Reason being, not only do you have the wind, but the snow was really light and fluffy because the air was cold. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to blow around and that's how you get your whiteout. So technically you could actually have a blizzard, even if there's no snow falling, ah. like a lot of snow on the ground, but it was really light and fluffy and it was blowing. So you could have a technically a ground blizzard. So it's a little technicality in weather, but long and the short of it, yes, this was a blizzard it will be one that goes down in history. Well, speaking of history, how many inches did we get? This is also a great question because people always want to know, like, what did my town get? And it's so much more granular than that, even here in Hingham. So I live on North Street and I was very diligently measuring. And it's hard when you have such blowy snow because you get big drifts. So I came away with about 15 inches on North Street. Then a friend of mine who's been observing the weather in Hingham for quite a long time, Bob Skilling, he measured 23 inches of snow. And then Mm. in South Hingham, we had a report of 21 inches of snow. So even in these different neighborhoods, you're getting a little variability. But at the official observing site for Hingham, right on the Weymouth border, the total was 23. So that's the official number that will go down in the record books as the fifth largest storm in Hingham history. Wow. Wow. And I want to go back to that for a second, but what about the winds? Like I was out yesterday morning, I guess it was, and it was already really windy and then shoveling, it was just super cold. But I was watching the Weather Channel on, you know, kind of all day and I saw one um, graphic that had winds in situate at 80 something miles an hour. Did we hit something like that? 
not in Hingham. And this is another one of those nuancy things where when you watch the weather report, depending on who you're watching, they may or may not explain this in the detail that it deserves. Uh, the beaches definitely gust between 70 and 90 miles per hour from Situate down to Marshfield. Oops, sounds like my fiance. <laughs> so maybe we'll just start that one over again. Is that okay? I like it. I like keeping it real. Yeah. Okay. Are you guys burning toast? What's happening there? Yeah, I'll go investigate. Hold on one second. Okay. okay. You know what? It was a Michael Page Hingham cast PSA. Yeah. Check your batteries. All good over here. <laughs> maybe I'll take that answer from the top if that's all right. <laughs> So the 80 mile per hour wind gust somewhere like Situate down on the Cape and Islands definitely registers at the beaches. The reason being you have the wind coming in off of the ocean. There's no friction, nothing to slow the wind down when it comes off of the ocean. So you get those really high values. But where most people live in the neighborhoods, including here in Hingham, gusts are more like 40 or 50 miles per hour because by then the wind has hit land and it slows down. So those really, really high numbers that you see listed on TV in many cases aren't super representative of what people are experiencing unless you live truly on the outer cape, like right on the beach, which some people do, but most of us don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I w- I wondered if we'd have power outages, and I was I was watching a video Will Frampton did with Hingham Municipal Light Plant, and they didn't expect this to be a power outage kind of storm. How come? Yeah, and everyone is super sensitive to this, by the way, after October. Biggest reason is that winds like what we saw with this one gusting 40, 50 miles an hour in Hingham, it's actually pretty normal for winter storms. And the trees are bare this time of year, no leaves, the snow is going to be really light. So it's actually not that heavy, even when it does land on the tree limbs and things like that. So I wasn't really worried about power outages either here, even though a lot of people would assume you're going to have a blizzard and you're going to have power outages. If the temperature had been closer to 32 and this was like a really wet, heavy snow, then would have issues because that would weigh down on the tree limbs. Those could then fall on the power lines. But when it's light and fluffy like this, it's just hard to have enough weight where it becomes a problem. Unlike in October, where you got that wind in trees that were full of leaves and just like acted like sails to take the the trees down. You know that's going to be a bad situation. So it's little things like that where you just kind of learn to understand when the grid is going to have issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of people here have connections to the Cape and Islands, and they are having power outages. And that's exactly why. So closer to the storm center, meaning a little more warm air down there. So temperatures were close to freezing for the start of the storm. And you had that wet, pasty snow that got on the trees early. Then the wind cranked up, as we talked about, at some of the beaches close to 80, but even in the neighborhood, 60, 65. So now all of a sudden you have this really heavy tree that's getting shoved around in the wind and boom, there are your power outages. And even last night when temperatures were dropping down into the teens, almost 40% of the Cape still had no electricity. So definitely a tougher situation there because the consistency of the snow is different. Ah, okay, okay. Um, Are we in for like crazy cold this week? Crazy cold, not really, just kind of wintry cold. So temperatures will be around 30 degrees as we start the week on Monday, but lots of sunshine. And now the sun is actually getting strong enough where you'll do melting even with the temperature below freezing like that. And then later in the week, another storm comes in, but it actually comes in warmer. Temperatures will shoot up into the 40s. So it's not like- Wait, wait, all I heard was another storm comes in. What? Yeah, well, don't worry. That one will go north. So that could be a nice mix in northern New England. We should be on the warm side of that. So some rain in 40s, maybe we'll have to worry about like storm drains and all that stuff being cleared if we actually do get the rain later in the week. That's so awesome. Do people walk up to you in town and say, 
Michael, what's the weather? Yes, constantly, which is fine. I mean, that's what I do, but it also requires me to constantly know what's going on because <laughs> you don't know, be asking kind of like tongue in cheek, but problem is I can't give a tongue in cheek answer because then someone will be like, oh, you got that wrong. So I always yeah. have to be on and like ready to give a good forecast. <laughs> I know. Poor meteorologists and lawyers. It's just like so, I, and and the media, the media in general, so whatever. Um, so I want to dig into a couple of things you said. Um, I heard the National Weather Service, and you know, we've heard this, you know this term much better than I, but I hear it all the time recently, it feels like in the last few years, bombogenesis or bombocyclone. What does that mean? It's been around forever. Bombogenesis is the technical term, but this is one of those things where, and we both say this as people who were in local news for a long time, it's kind of like the sexy new catchphrase, bomb cyclone. So <laughs> uh, people think it's a new thing, but it's actually not. Bombogenesis just refers to a storm that intensifies rapidly. There's very strict criteria that I won't get into because it's kind of wonky, but basically a storm has to deepen or see its pressure drop a certain amount in a short period of time. This does qualify as that, as do many other storms. And the interesting thing is we are starting to see more of this in recent years. If you look at like the top 10 biggest snowstorms on record in Boston or Hingham, by the way, of which this storm will rank, in Hingham as the fifth biggest storm on record going back to the 1900s. So this was, you know, behind the blizzard of 78, behind an epic storm in 69 that stretched a couple of days, and then actually behind two storms in that snow blitz from 2015. <laughs> so that year, remember, we just got like the storm we just had, we got it like three or four times in a couple of weeks. Was uh, that like the ice dam storm, like season, remember when the, all the flat roofs were collapsing? Was yes, that the same? because there was yeah. so much. We ended up with like over 100 inches. But oh bottom line gosh. is you're hearing a lot of recent years pop up on this list, like two from 2015. You know, of course, one from 2013 had 22 inches, so a little bit less than this storm, but you know, in the neighborhood. Bottom line is we're seeing more of this bombogenesis process happening off the New England coastline. So, all right, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, I, I mean, I'm assuming there's some tie to climate change. Flesh that out for me. There is. And, you know, it's not fair or scientifically accurate to say this one storm was because of climate change or any storm for that matter. But it does play a part. And what I mean by that is when you see more bombogenesis, you think, okay, why are these storms getting more intense more quickly? Well, part of it is because the storms drive off of energy, both from the atmosphere and from the ocean. So in our part of the world, these storms can really intensify when you have more warm water nearby. Now, we're not talking like, let's go dive in and it's going to be tropical off our coastline. But when the temperatures are staying two or three degrees warmer than they should in the middle of winter, that translates to a lot of energy that's there for these storms to tap into. Mm. And why are the oceans warmer? Because we're putting more carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. And the ocean is a sink. It sucks that out of the atmosphere and that in turn warms up the ocean. So the ocean's doing us a favor by taking some of those gases out of the sky that we're pumping in, but as a result, the ocean gets warmer, sets us up for potentially having more frequent intense storms like this. So, you know, people always say, oh, you know, climate change, it's never gonna snow again. Actually, not the case. Yeah. We might get more of these big snowstorms, but maybe the snow won't last on the ground as long because it will melt faster with warmer air temperatures, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the last storms, the last big storms, they're bigger. They just feel more intense in so many ways. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. You're getting more of these 
really powerful winds, more of these crazy snowfall totals. Now, that's not to say we've never had storms like this in the past, because that's just not yeah. true. Yeah. Back to the blizzard of 78, there were some massive storms in like the 1800s or when the early you know, colonists were here in the 1600s, writing about you know, what they experience in their first winters in New England. So these storms have always happened, will always happen, but it's really the time frame that we're seeing them. They're happening more often now because we're priming the atmosphere to have these more extreme events more frequently. So when you talk about Hingham specifically, and I, I think the Northeast, obviously the Northeast just gets hit a little bit differently than the rest of the United States. But when you're talking about Hingham specifically, and you say the top five storms since the early 1900s, so blizzard of 78, what else? What, what else is really interesting on record? Yeah, so the blizzard of 78 probably surprises no one who was here or, you know, grew up hearing lore of it as I did. Then in 1969, there was a multi-day storm, like 100 hours, just crazy long. So that added up to about 28 inches in Hingham. Again, it wasn't like this where it was just 24 hours. It was spread out over a couple of days. And then, as I said, we had two separate storms from 2015 that come in at third and fourth in Hingham. Then fifth is this one that we just went through. Hmm. You know, we're lucky we didn't have more wind or coastal flooding with this. This really is just kind of a snowstorm. Yeah. Because, of course, we back to 78, and that was like an epic coastal flood disaster. Um, we, you know, we didn't have that. This was just kind of like a nice old-fashioned blizzard. Yeah, then, and on a weekend. Bonus. Exactly. Like, timing was pretty good on this one. Then number six is 1997, which was the April Fool's Day blizzard. A lot of people remember that. Oh, yeah. Crazy. That was almost two feet on April 1st which is why like no New Englander will ever, you know, <laughs> declare the end of winter until basically May. Um, I don't do it till after the marathon. I, honestly, it's wise. Uh, and then 2013, there was a blizzard that had 22 inches in town. 1996, there was a super storm on the eastern seaboard. That's eight. And then 2003, we had a big storm with 21 inches. That was the President's Day blizzard. And that one was interesting because that's actually Boston's top snowfall on record, even above the blizzard of 78. That's like- huh. People were really bent out of shape in 2003 when this thing just beat the blizzard of 78 because it, you know, it didn't have the same impact, obviously. And people are like, that's what's going to unseat the blizzard of 78. I was stuck on 128 for you know days. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? yeah. So, like, yeah. That, that wasn't as bad. But you know, this is where perception and reality are very different things. A big blizzard in 78 with lesser forecasting ability and understanding of weather versus today, you know, the impacts are going to be so different. And then there's a storm in 94 that rounds out the top 10. So all the top 10 storms in Hingham, uh, over 20 inches now. And like I said, we landed, we're going to call it 23 as the official measurement, just because that's where the measurements go back longest in town. Wow. Um, I mean, imagine if this wasn't COVID and it wasn't a weekend. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just the timing was good. You know, everyone knew it was coming. So you could kind of plan just to have a good snow day and didn't have to worry about huge coastal issues. There was some coastal flooding, but certainly nothing that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, storms are different. They're all a little different in how they look and feel. Yeah. So, okay. Meteorologist Michael Page, I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to be that guy on the sidewalk. Look into your crystal ball. What do we have coming this winter, do you think? We're only at, you know, the end of January. Yeah, well, so this is the thing. This one storm basically gave us half of our annual snowfall in Hingham and around the South Shore. Wow. No other big storms on the horizon now for the next couple of weeks. But um, definitely we're in a pattern where you don't see frequent storms, but the ones that do happen can be a little bit bigger. 
part of the reason I say that is a lot of this has to do with, are you in an El Nino, La Nina? That's something that happens in the Pacific, but it does have implications here. Mm. Usually in a year like this, we end up around average snowfall. So average for us is somewhere between 40 and 50 inches for the whole winter. Now we're about halfway there. So this type pattern would lend itself to a season where you do land in the average range. Nothing shows us that it would be like wildly different than that. Okay. So I'm going to give you your own disclaimer. No one can hold Michael to that if we get another one of these this winter. As long as we end up at the average, but that's the thing. How do you get to average? Is it just like two big storms? Is it inches every couple days? You know, these are all the things, again, perception versus reality in the public. And like part of it is forecasting the weather and part of it is forecasting how people are going to react to the weather. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you guys, you guys do take so much heat when a storm system moves away. Well, Michael Page said. Well, and this one's interesting. Like this was very clear. So I rarely consider myself like alarmist or hypey. Like bottom line is this one was pretty clear that this was going to be like a multi-foot event for several days. Um, but some meteorologists get really into sharing like specific computer model runs. You know, we yeah. get these computer models several times a day and sometimes they can be wildly different. I, I actually don't like sharing that information with the public because I think it's confusing if you say one minute, oh, this model's saying three feet and then like, oh, just kidding. Now it's saying two inches. It's like, right. no, our job is to take that and make it into a forecast for people. You know, people don't understand that that's actually very normal to have that type of variation from computer models. It's just our job to digest that. But with social media, my point in all this is that those maps get put out there. So I think it can be confusing for a non-meteorologist to think, oh, there's so much uncertainty with a storm like this. I heard a lot of that this week. In reality, I think it was actually very clear all week of what was going to happen. And hopefully you're listening to someone and there are plenty of other meteorologists who think like I do, by the way, you know, who are just giving you the one message, like don't bog down in the everyday variation. That's our job. Just listen to what we're messaging. I think this is the headline right here. This is is it. Well, that's awesome. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to say, Michael? I think it's just a good reminder for all of us here that it's worth being prepared for something like this. You know, you remember what it's like going through COVID when we couldn't get toilet paper or we couldn't find hand sanitizer. Mm. And that's a natural disaster. And weather is a natural disaster to an extent. And we should be equally as prepared. So whether that's making sure you have batteries for a power outage, having the shovels you need several days in advance. I think collectively as society, I do worry that like we're just so instant gratification oriented that we kind of mm. forget that these storms can really knock us down pretty quickly. And we do have to be somewhat self-sufficient. So whether that's a blizzard in the winter, a hurricane in the summer, like it's just a good reminder that we do need to be able to take care of ourselves because, you know, again, COVID is just a reminder. If you call 911, paramedics will come, but it might take a while because the hospital's full or whatever. You know, it's all kind of in the same thing. Just a good reminder that extreme weather, like a pandemic, should warrant some level of preparation all the time to help us get through these things a little bit easier as they become more common. Amen. And it's a great segue to our next segment. So Michael Page, meteorologist, I thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Allie. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Let's take a quick break here. You may know I took a new job in December, but if you want to keep the Hingham cast going, I'm in. That said, we need your support. 
If you like the podcast and hyperlocal journalism, follow us and set us to automatic download on Apple or wherever you listen. And head to thehinghamcast.com to sign up for our emails. We only send them to let you know when new episodes drop. Okay, now let me shout out some good work in our community. Uh, shoveling out Mr. Riley's car. That's the sound of two teenagers hard at work after a blizzard. My name is Ian Belkner, and I am 18 years old, and I'm a senior at Hingham High School. Uh, my name is Charlie Donahue. I am 17 years old and a junior at Hingham High School. They're shoveling out Janet Powell and her husband, who is recovering from back surgery. We've never been, like, consider ourselves seniors that need mm. help. But yeah. when he had back surgery, I said, we need help. Powell lives in Crow Point and first met her teenage neighbor, Ian Belkner, last year when her husband had his first back surgery. The teen dug her out, no charge. He is so reliable. is mm. so reliable and so kind and so... He's just he's just a great kid. Ian, who moved to Hingham from Cambridge in the height of the pandemic, started his shoveling business last year to put a little money in his pocket when he didn't have much to do. But he found... There were a lot of people in my neighborhood that needed shoveling, but were a little bit older and maybe couldn't quite afford it um, or just afford to give me the money for it. So I ended up just going to their house and shoveling them out. It just, I really liked it. Um, I felt felt good to do. And after that, um, sort of just kept looking for people who might need some shoveling. To dig out seniors and other families in need, Ian recruited some of his friends to help, like Charlie. Why did you want to join in with Ian? Well, it was really like, why Why wouldn't I want to join in? Um, <laughs> I, I had no reason to say no. Like, why would I not want to help out and shovel with my friend, you know? Without Ian, Charlie, and a mystery group of Hingham Cub Scouts to stop by to clear her walk and driveway, Powell doesn't know what she would have done in this blizzard. I was afraid. It, the wind was so bad that I was really afraid of even the house was shaking. Snow was just blowing sideways for, for 12 hours. The wind was blowing sideways. It was horrible. Snow is drifting, so we've got six feet someplace. We've got two feet someplace. We've got no feet someplace. It's just when you, it drifts down here, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. But it's not this, the mega uh, feet that some people have some places because we get so much drifting. Mm. So, but to think yeah. that these boys are going to, you know, dig in and get it done for you. They will. They will. I'm impressed with their backs. I'm impressed with their commitment. And I think there's the spirit of what makes our country great. And what makes Hingham great, what makes these boys great. The boys are embarrassed by the praise and don't think they're doing anything special. Here's Charlie. I mean, it's hard work, but how does it make you feel when you're finished? Yeah, it it does make me feel happy. So I work at a dementia care facility for seniors. Ah. And so I'm I'm pretty familiar with like helping, um, I don't know, like helping people in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, It just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Like Charlie said, we don't we don't do it for the feeling, but you know, of course, it, it does it does feel nice to um help others and you know, the people are always so thankful for that. I always get, you know, really warm texts and warm thank yous and it's just nice to know that we're helping people in our community. That's awesome. That's awesome. And what's your message for um somebody who might be listening to this who might need your help? Oh, just I would say, you know, don't don't um don't hesitate to reach out because it's really uh 
we love helping people, but it also, you know, helps us find who we are. And I'm sure Charlie would say the same. That's interesting, Charlie. Um, Ian said, helps us find who we are. What does that mean to you? Well, I don't know. I mean, the way I interpret that is like, it kind of helps us realize what type of humans we want to be. And like, if we want to be like passive in life or helpful, and um, like, like there, you can just you can just sit around on a snowy day and watch movies all day, or you could put on your shoes, rather boots, and go and help people that are in need. There's two options. Nice. I'm glad you guys took the second. Nice work, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So if you need help, you can email Ian at ianbelkner, B-E-L-K-N-E-R, 13 at gmail.com, or text him at 617-821-0793. And if you're someone who can pay, the boys are both saving up for college soon. To put faces to these voices and check out more great local journalism, head to our media partners over at the Hingham Anchor. It's HinghamAnchor.com. I want to thank my friend and fantastically talented producer-editor, Kristen Keith. Our website was designed by Hingham's Donna Mavromatis and her team at Mavro Creative. I'm Allie Donnelly. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.